Gracious God, let these words be more than words. Give us the spirit of Jesus. Amen. Please be seated. Pay attention to the transitions. The transitions are the most difficult part. My mentoring rector, the Reverend Dr. Luis Leon, gave me this piece of advice during my second year of preaching. He was talking about writing sermons. Usually a preacher has two or three, hopefully, salient points to make in a sermon. And the difference between an artful piece of writing and absolute dreck, it largely depends on what happens between the points, on the transitions. Pay attention to the transitions. Luis was right, and not just about preaching. Moses and the people of Israel find themselves today in a moment of transition. Our reading comes from the last chapters of the book of Deuteronomy, the last book in Moses' Torah, the five books of Moses. Moses is preparing the people because he knows he can't cross over Jordan with them. His time has come. And the people, per usual, have been grumbling. God's people sure know how to grumble. Do you remember those first years out in the wilderness? And the people said, if only we were still in Egypt in slavery, at least there we had enough food. And yet, God hears them. Their grumbling becomes the occasion for God's provision, manna from heaven. And this particular grumble is particularly memorable, the one that Moses relates today. On Mount Horeb, the people told Moses, We can't listen to the voice of God anymore. We can't put up with the Lord's presence in that pillar of fire. Make God go away. God even tells the people their right to grumble. That may be a little hard to take. But have you ever been in a room full of people who were convinced that God was speaking to them directly? It's not a pleasant room. God says it is good to have a way to test God's voice, to say God's calling must be reflected in a community so the people of Israel will have prophets. But remember, this is a big moment of transition for God's people. Moses is announcing a new prophet, but Moses has been the prophet. Moses spoke God's word to Pharaoh. Moses brought God's word out to the people, and that word set them free. Now there will be a new prophet? Why do we need the change? Deuteronomy tells us that Moses was 120 years old when he died. His time had come. But the people don't like the news. They're not eager for a new prophet, just as they weren't eager to find themselves out in the desert, Now, standing on the edge of the promised land, they learn their seasoned leader won't be with them as they enter. Again, the people have to give up what they know. Again, they have to adjust. Transitions are difficult. We know this difficulty in our own lives. Ask any parent of a young child what it's like to look back at photos from two years ago or ten. Children change so quickly. Those old words are patently true. They grow up so fast. 
The challenges and joys of an infant give way to the challenges and joys of a toddler, a young child, and then the challenges and joys of a teenager. It all happens in the blink of an eye. And you don't realize how much has changed until you look at an old photo or video from a few years ago. You remember that little person, but they are not the little person you are faced with today. In life, if we're not careful, we can find ourselves in a constant state of mourning. Pictures can be fun, but they can also be problematic. Remembering times gone by, missed opportunities. We can spend our time looking back, missing what was, longing for old times. But no measure of longing will return us to the past. The ache for the past has a capacity to increase along with the aches in our bodies. As eyes grow dimmer, knees feebler, and physical challenges increase, it is easy to become frustrated. It can be more and more tempting to dwell on the past, but as fun as nostalgia can be, nostalgia also has the capacity to frustrate our present. If we're not careful, we begin asking questions like, why is my body betraying me and meaning them? The temptation to long, to wallow, to hold on is strong, especially when we face a future that is unknown. Don't give in to that temptation, that longing. Aging with grace is a physical process, yes, but it is also a psychological and theological process. If we are busy missing the child who once was, we may miss the gift of the adult who is in front of us. Theologically, memory has a particular function in Christianity. Memory helps us to prepare to see how God is acting today and tomorrow. We remember the mighty acts and the small surprises that God has wrought, so we have hints about how God might be moving in the present and in the future. The transitions are the most difficult part. Moving beyond what was and into what might be, it can feel scary, but it's the only way forward. Put your stock in the future. Have faith. And know that no matter how much you grumble, God won't leave you alone. As Moses assures the people, God will continue to send prophets. God will continue to lead the people toward freedom. God's word will continue to guide them, even through the transition. As I look back at this year at Holy Communion, I'm amazed by the number of transitions we've been through. We've grown. That's true in terms of raw membership, Sunday attendance, the size of the choir, the size of the clergy team, size of theology on tap, the size of the Sunday school. Our budget has also grown thanks to the incredible generosity of this congregation and the faithful management of your vestry with the partnerships we've created with nonprofits renting space. Numbers are up, but as I look across the year, those numbers only tell a small part of our transition story. This year, we also renovated a long, vacant house on our property. Dozens of volunteers gave up thousands of hours and transformed the building on Gannon Street into a home. The first graduate of Magdalene St. Louis moved into that home in October. 
and in the coming months she'll be joined by a sister from the program, the second graduate. We say this church has three values. The first is welcome. This year you made that value of welcome out of concrete and paint and plaster and tile grout. You lived that value of welcome in the hard work of scraping dirty floors and repairing porch rails. We say our second value is diversity. And this year you made a serious investment in that value as well. This year we dedicated ourselves to a partnership with the church in El Salvador. We sent 12 of our members down for a pilgrimage and began exploring how we might work together with the organization Christosol. We said we cannot learn about the work God is doing if we're only focused on our own corner of Del Mar. We have so much to glean from a relationship with an organization doing important human rights work. We have so much to learn from the work of the churches doing in Central America. Our third value, community, this year pushed us out beyond our walls. Since this summer, we have paid for hundreds of loads of laundry at Classic Coin Laundromat on Balsan. More importantly, we've met neighbors, played with kids, laughed about the small world of U-City, with folks in the moments while the loads are in the machine. We've shared food and we've helped build community at Laundry Love. Those are just a few of the ways we've been in transition this year. And the transitions have not always been easy. These projects and partnerships have come with doubt, frustration, and sometimes even tears. There's an old joke. How many Episcopalians does it take to change a light bulb? Three. One to call an electrician, and the other two to talk about how much better the old light bulb was. As a denomination, we're not famed for our easy willingness to accept change. But this congregation this year has broken that mold. You've leaned into discomfort, you've looked at the horizon and said, this work matters. We've dedicated ourselves to becoming, to being a welcoming and diverse community, and not just for the sake of our members, we want to make, in the words of one of the founders of Laundry Love, we want to make a love-spreading difference. This has been a year of transition, and you've done the hard work with grace. I'm grateful to be along with you for this journey. I hope God continues to let me serve with you for many years ahead. This year we have seen God's presence, and we've been met with blessings. Can we celebrate this year and also carry these blessings forward? Can we see this year as a sign of what's ahead? In the year to come, can we continue to welcome new people into our pews, into our dinner groups, and into our circles? Can we deeply welcome the folks who are, not, or who are new, not just with a simple smile at the peace, but deeply into community? Can we discover new friendships? Will we take risks? politely excusing ourselves from a conversation with a well-known friend in order to get to know a newcomer. This year, will we continue to invite the deep conversations about race, gender, sexual orientation, ability, language, national origin, you can name others. Will we commit ourselves to being the beloved community, 
Dr. King's translation of Jesus' kingdom of God. As we do this work of diversity, will we be honest? Will we show up for the tough discussions? Will we listen to the stories of our neighbors? Will we continue to work past prejudice to seek in the words of the beloved community commitment we just made at the annual meeting to love God and to love the image of God reflected in our neighbors, in ourselves, and in creation? This year, will we continue to ask how this church can best serve the community? Now, don't grumble when I say this to you. The vestry has agreed to formally start exploring a major renovation of the church building and an accompanying capital campaign. We know many of the systems that support the church, the kitchen, and the undercroft are reaching the end of their serviceable lives. You can feel it when this room is often too warm or too cold. You can hear it when the organ has a note that won't stop playing, though Connor covers well. I want to challenge us as we look at these questions to ask bigger questions. Bigger questions as we look at the building. Do it for the sake of the community. Could our space be more useful if it was configured differently? Could we welcome young women and men learning to cook if we made the investment in a certified commercial kitchen? Could the instruments in this space support not just our choir, but community children's choirs as well. And I know this is a dangerous question, but are pews the best seating arrangement for our largest space? Could we make changes that would better serve the wider community? I don't pretend to know how we will answer these questions together and more, but I know that this year we finish 150 years of service at Holy Communion and it's incumbent upon us to look toward the future, toward the next 150, to make plans for how we will minister, how our buildings will serve us, but most importantly, how this church will continue to build a welcoming and diverse community. Pay attention to transitions. My mentor, Luis, was right. Transitions are hard work. But transitions can also be bearers of unexpected grace. When the status quo is upset, we are invited to grow, to change, and to trust. We have assurance from this past year and from the 149 years of history of Holy Communion. When we take risks, God will meet us. In the blessings and in the challenges, God will be there. God invites us to look forward toward our future with hope, with faith, and with the assurance that God's love will meet us. Amen.